Hey moms, I'm Taryn, and I'm sure I'm not alone when I say that motherhood is a lot harder than I expected it to be. Of course I knew that there would be long sleepless nights and that my adorable baby would soon turn into a snack-obsessed toddler, but I wasn't prepared for the really hard stuff that isn't always talked about. The long NICU stays that we had, the mom guilt, or the constant worry as to whether or not I'm raising my kids to be kind, independent, and compassionate. Here at the Messy Mama Pod, my goal is to not only make you feel like you aren't alone, but to truly show you. You're going to be hearing from some incredible moms who are rising through some really difficult times in motherhood, and from guests who have made it their mission to spread awareness and education to make motherhood a little bit more joyful and inclusive. I live off of dry shampoo, and it is a complete guess as to whether my kids even have clothes on right now. So, if you're anything like me, welcome to the mess. And remember, messy can be beautiful. Hey mama and welcome back to another episode of the Messy Mama Pod. My goodness, this episode's coming out on October 28th, which is so crazy to me. Like, I know that I say this at the start of a lot of the podcast episodes, but I just feel like it's such a weird time. From March until now, I feel like time has stopped, but gone by so fast somehow. It's just the weirdest feeling, but I hope you're gearing up for Halloween and your kiddos are excited. This episode's going to be really cool, and I love that it's kind of twofold. So obviously, if you read the title, you know that we are talking to a doula, um, and I love that we're going to get a lot of information in terms of support because I think that that kind of lacks. Like, I know that there's some really great resources on, I know Lindsay does a great job of sharing on her social media, like what her role is, but I also think that as a mom, I don't know a whole lot about it still. So I love that this is going to give you information as a mama if you are um, maybe trying to conceive or if you are pregnant, if a doula is kind of the right support person for you. But I also think it's really cool that if you are maybe interested in becoming a doula, I'm sure Lindsay is going to answer kind of a lot of those questions. So thank you so much for being here, Lindsay. I am super excited to chat. Thanks for inviting me. I am super excited to be here. And I love that we're both, well, I love that you're from Canada. I mean, I always try to keep this podcast quite Canadian, um, but you're actually, you're from Calgary, Alberta, which is only like four hours from where I grew up. We went to Calgary a lot. So I love the kind of those like little connections. Yeah. And actually, you don't know this probably, but I'm from Saskatchewan as well. Um, I'm from Regina. Oh. We are. Uh, oh, we really? That That's funny. I know. I love that. I feel like Canada is just not that big. Like there's probably way more connections than we would even figure out. Yeah, you bet. (laughs) So you are from Calgary, which I just want listeners to keep in mind as we're going through this. So if you do feel like a doula is a good fit for you, or if Lindsay is a good fit for you, um, your Instagram is adore your birth, which I think is really, really cool. Um, And so mamas, if you're listening and you have questions, I'm sure Lindsay is totally good with you reaching out and chatting with her um, about anything that we talk about. Yeah, absolutely. I try to make sure to say all the time that my DMs, you know, aren't just for clients. I love to hear from everybody because it gives me a bit of perspective on what moms are feeling and helps me create Mm. content that's good for everyone. Yeah. I love that. So before we kind of dive into the, you know, your role as a doula, why don't you tell us a little bit about you? Yeah. So, uh, I am a mom here in Calgary. I have a daughter who's, um, almost two and a half. And if you find me on social media, you'll see that I refer to her as Tazzy Devil or Taz. <laughs> uh, that's, that's her internet code name because she is 
wild as heck. Um, we have two wiener dogs. Uh, my sort of being a doula is my main hustle, but uh, I also have a bit of a side hustle as a dance teacher. So I'm oh. a, a preschool um, preschool ballet teacher here in Calgary. Oh my gosh. Uh, and has come to be- class with me, which is a bit challenging too. Right. That would be the cutest thing to watch though. It's pretty fun. Yeah. And then, like I said, the the main gig these days is uh, being a birth doula and birth photographer. That's so cool. So you will do both while Absolutely. you are assisting in a birth. Yeah. Wow. Both or one or the other. Yeah. Okay. That is super cool. I love birth photography. Like that is something that I'm actually super sad that I didn't get with both of my kids. Um, with Reese, I had one of my good friends. I talk about her all the time, Tessa Jane photography. She's out of Saskatoon. Um, and I had her lined up with Reese and because she came early and was a C-section and just kind of (laughs) a disaster, really. Um, I didn't get it done, but it is something that I love. Like, I think it is so powerful. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny. I kind of get these like backhanded compliments in my reviews sometimes. Like I I didn't think that I would love the birth photography as much as I do. Right? Yeah. I didn't know what to expect from these images, but I really love them. And yeah. uh, I totally appreciate that because people, you know, have this expectation that photos of their birth are going to be them like sweaty, tired, um, like jiggly, yucky, naked. And it doesn't have to be any of that. I think people are often very surprised at how like, how pretty and obviously how emotional and kind of storytelling it can be. Yeah, I so agree. And I think too, once you've experienced birth, you know that looking back, it's really hard to remember a lot of the details. Um, And so having those photos, I can only imagine just really helps to like get back into that emotional place and and remember kind of the details that I I know that I wish I could remember. Absolutely. That's almost something word for word that's on my website is, is the the memory you forget (laughs) in the heat of the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's super cool. So why did you become a doula? So um, backtracking a little bit, I knew a few people who had had doulas during their um, pregnancy. And, you know, we knew that um, that was probably going to be a good fit for us. Obviously, um, love my husband and I knew he was going to be there for me, but there was just like an extra layer that I felt yeah. like a doula could provide. And um, it ended up being a really great option for us because I had a very, you know, much like um, at least one of yours, a very um, hyper-medicalized birth. And so more and more layers just kept getting thrown at me in terms of, um, you know, genetic testing and um, different kinds of screenings that were going to happen and different protocols that were going to be involved in my birth. And I'm so thankful that I had a doula to help, um, not necessarily, you know, she was not a medical professional. She didn't walk me through those processes, but she was, you know, my, um, my emotional kind of guiding light through that mm-hmm. and just helping me come to terms with everything that was going on uh, while still feeling in control. You know, when you're in a very medicalized birth situation, it can very much feel like people are just telling you what's mm-hmm. going to happen or what has to happen. And so she really helped me feel like I was in control of that situation. And these were all options and and it was still my choice. Um, so 
And then you know how it is with friends all being pregnant at the same time as you. I just happened to become that friend who was always getting a midnight text from everybody else in the group like, is this normal? What do you think Mm. I should do? And so between my own doula experience and sort of naturally falling into that path with friends, uh, when I came out the other side of my own birth experience, uh, I felt like that was something that I just had to keep doing. And, you know, five years ago, you couldn't have told me that it was so important for me to work with moms for moms advocating for birthrights. Yes. Um, I, I would have, you know, had no idea until I had been through it. Yeah. I think that that's like, those are the best kinds of jobs when it, that passion just kind of falls into you and it's not something forced. Um, I love that. And something that I wanted to touch on, because as soon as you said it, I just couldn't agree, agree more. I think sometimes, um, like I know for me, I was placing so much weight on Derek's support for me. Um, and before I had Tate, I didn't realize as much that the husbands are also going through it or the partners are also going through it. And I just kind of expected that, you know, sometimes when you see pictures, they're just there and they're like telling you to count and they're helping you breathe and stuff. But I know for both of my births, Derek was really emotional and he wasn't able to support me in necessarily the ways that I need. He did an incredible job, like, and I wouldn't trade it, but he is the dad. He is the one that is like, he's the other one that's so in it. And sometimes I think that yeah, I think that we expect them to be that kind of main support. And and I just don't think that always ends up being the case. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And, you know, for, uh, for women and mothers and birthing people, um, we begin this transformation, like, as soon as we find out that we're pregnant, right? It's always Mm -hmm. happening to us. And birthday is the first day that it's really happening to your partner, Mm. right? Before that, it's just kind of happening around them. And so it's a super transformational day for them too. And, you know, I find that we do have this, um, this tendency to lean on them for all the logistical stuff. Absolutely. Like carry the bags, um, track the contractions, obviously drive you to the hospital or get the birth pool set up, um, count the breaths, like pick up the phone and don't forget to take a picture. Right. Yeah. And so I like to see it as my job to take all of that logistical work off of them, um, and layer in a little bit of support for them too, like reminding them, have you eaten today? Right. Can I bring you a coffee? All those things that feel, you know, very concierge, but really it's just allowing them to stay afloat and be the like rock that gets to hold your hand, look in your eyes, tell you that you're being amazing. And yeah, become a dad at the same time as you're becoming a mom. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that. I literally have chills because I, I knew that this was going to happen, but as you're talking, I'm like, I so wish that I had that. Like I do. And I think that, I think every mom that's listening can probably relate to that. I think, you know, until you have a baby or until you go through it, it is something that you just have zero idea about. And I remember being shocked and, um, confused and, just, I didn't expect so much of it. And I know that my deliveries weren't necessarily textbook, if that's even a thing, typical, but I do, I think that so many moms can really, really relate to that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, obviously our, our 
for me as a doula too, um, having your partner or your mom or whoever else you want in the room is super important because they know you far better than I do. Mm -hmm. You know, my goal during our relationship is to get to know you really, really well so that I understand you like a friend or like a sister, but even still, they know you best. And so my goal is never, you know, to replace them or to be, you know, your number one person. And they're just over there in the corner doing their thing. Like they're, they're still your person. Um, I just take all that other stuff off of them and, uh, and allow you two to be in the moment together. Yeah. So when you talk about creating that relationship, when does that start with a doula? Yeah. So you know, it can really be at any point. Uh, there are people in my DMs who are like, I am just wishing and hoping for those pink lines. Like, I can't wait to start working with you. Um, mm. And then there are people who have contracted me at like 40 weeks or 41 weeks when, you know, shit hits the fan and yeah. they're, like things are getting real and they they want that extra support. So sometimes I have a lot more time to build that relationship uh, and sometimes not as much. The sweet spot for me is really at that like 10 week mark mm. because then we have, you know, somewhere around like 26 to 30 weeks to really get to know each other. Um, people, my clients will often follow me on social media and start, you know, sending me like memes or funny stuff. I get a bit, a bit of a vibe of, you know, their sense of humor, their feelings around like workouts and diet culture and like, everything, right? So that we get this friendly banter going back and forth. Um, I have clients who text me, you know, weekly bump photos or like updates after their doctor's appointment. Yeah. And so it feels very much like I'm just like along for the ride as their, their friend who, you know, would normally go for brunch with them, but can't right now. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm sure COVID just adds like such another layer to it. Totally. And so do you meet often in person or is it more just that like social media relationship? Yeah. So pre-COVID, I should say. Pre-COVID. Pre-COVID, we would meet for in person for a meet and greet, usually like go grab coffee or dessert or something um, to, you know, make sure that we're a good fit for one another. And then we would have um, one prenatal meeting in a client's home which is still happening right now. So um, I've just taken the the in-person meet and greets off the table. We're doing those all by Zoom, um, just out of respect to, you know, my the rest of my clients. Like I don't want right. to come and meet a hundred people at the coffee shop to only go on to establish a relationship with 10 of them because um, that has increased my exposure, which is, is not fair to the clients that I am going to see one-on-one. Right. Um, so once we decide that we're a good fit to work together, then we'll have an in-person prenatal meeting uh, sometime like around 32, 34 weeks uh, and, and talk about, you know, birth wishes and how mm. the pregnancy has been going. But most times I've been in pretty close contact with people uh, definitely by like second trimester for sure. Okay. And so when you meet with them and you're talking about like birth plans and stuff, you go on call and that's essentially like, can you talk a little bit about how that works? Yeah. So, um, we'll meet sometime towards like the latter half of third trimester to go over birth wishes and birth preparation. Um, remind them what labor or like early labor might look like some clues Mm. that they might be going into labor so that they um, can keep track of that and help me understand what's going on with them. Which is actually so important. Like (laughs) I didn't realize being pregnant that I just like wouldn't know when I was in labor. And I thought it would be so obvious. Yeah. And people will tell you, right? Like, oh, you'll know. Yeah. But when you're in it, 
There's also, depending on your situation, some people are just like so over it and done. Um, but especially when things get going a little bit earlier and you were not expecting it, there's this like level of denial that, yeah. oh, this couldn't possibly be it. It must just be Braxton Hicks. I'm just feeling off today, right? It couldn't possibly be labor. You'll find any excuse that it's not. Totally. I so agree with that. I literally thought that I dislocated my hip. And so Derek was like trying to massage it and was like, okay, do we need to like pop it back in? Like, what's this like two o'clock in the morning? But I do, I had no idea that back labor was how I was going to go into labor. Yeah, absolutely. So So I think that's so important. we, We talk a lot about that. And you know, I'll often have clients or, or just people who are, you know, interacting with me on my page say things like, okay, this is TMI, but I just have a question. And it's like, no, in birth, yeah. nothing is TMI. And like, that's yeah. why you have me as this birth bestie kind of relationship um, is because we're, we're supposed to be close enough with each other that nothing is TMI. Uh, and right. the more you can tell me, the more I can help you. So there's, there's no TMI, uh, but I I give them a bit of a heads up as to things to let me know, because the more elements add up, the more I really start thinking like, uh, maybe it'll be today, maybe it'll be this week and we'll have a, you know, you can never have a plan, but a better anticipation of what's going to happen. Right. And so then as soon as that mom does feel like she's in labor, then would you be kind of that first person that she reaches out to and you guys kind of discuss and make a plan? Okay, I'll meet you at the hospital or how does that work? Yeah. So at 38 weeks is my official on-call period. And all that means is that's the time uh, that I really start expecting my phone to ring and to see your name come up on my caller ID. Um, And when it does, um, if the client is having a home birth, um, or a midwife attended birth, they probably will have called their midwife first to, you know, get them to come and do a a check or something. So I'm usually the second call or maybe the third after they arrange for their, um, childcare for their older children. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, or if they're working with an OB, then I usually am the first call, uh, because that's a, a difference in working with, an OB versus a midwife is you kind of have a bit more of a personal relationship with your midwife than you do to just pick up and phone your OB. Right. Um, of course. So that's where a doula comes in extra handy. If you are having um, a very like classical obstetric medical birth in a hospital is um, rather than call 811 or um, call, you know, hospital triage and say, this is what's going on. And they say like, well, do you want to come in or do you not? Right. Uh, I'm a, I'm a great place to start. So yeah. yeah, I usually hear often, you know, around like 10 or 11 PM is the kind of classic text messages that I get like, Oh, not feeling too well. Not, I'm going to try and go to bed. And, uh, that's when I should try and go to bed too. Although I never do. Right. <laughs> um, and I kind of watch my phone with one eye open and then sometime around like one or two o'clock in the morning, I'll, I'll get a phone call that, for sure wakes me up that um, they're looking for support. So pre-COVID, that often looked like me joining them directly at the hospital. Mm. Now, during the pandemic, people are obviously wanting to spend less time at the hospital. Um, And so I'm often joining them at home beforehand to try and keep them comfortable at home longer before we transition. Mm. Oh my gosh, that would be amazing. Yeah. So... You mentioned this, and I actually meant to ask you this. Can you tell us the difference between a doula and a midwife? Because I used to think that that was just interchangeable. 
Yeah, you bet. And there are a few key differences. So um, uh, a midwife provides you your medical support. And, you know, I know you've got listeners um, from everywhere. So this is not necessarily going to be true for all listeners. But here in Alberta, uh, your midwife is an alternative to an OB or a family doctor who would deliver your baby. Um, okay. And they're covered under our healthcare program. So a midwife comes at no extra cost. You just need to apply into the program and make sure you do it oh. early enough. Um, and if you're a low risk candidate and you know you get your application in on time, um, that's a good, a good option for you. Uh, a doula, so sorry, a midwife will do all your prenatal care. They will do cervical checks. They will... Um, you know, read your ultrasound reports when they come in. Um, They will check baby's heartbeat, check, you know, keep an eye on your uterus and your fundal height, how you're measuring your personal weight, that kind of stuff. Um, They can also prescribe basic medications like um, something for say morning sickness uh, or pressure during your pregnancy. So they can manage the medical side of your pregnancy. A doula is somebody that you hire privately um, so we're not covered, at least in Alberta, under the healthcare system, although we are covered under some insurance programs. Mm. Uh, and we help you during pregnancy, obviously during birth, um, and a bit of a postpartum transition to work directly for mom um, or the birthing person and their immediate family to support their wishes. So uh, a midwife or your OB um, or your doctor is there to you know, certainly care for mom, um, but their outcome is to care for mom and baby kind of as a unit and to get baby born. Um, as a doula, my outcome is to just respect your wishes and support you through the entire process. So I don't do anything medical. Um, my hands-on care looks more like um, massage and just comforting level touch. Mm. And then, you know, I bring more knowledge with respect to uh, body positioning, um, alignment, things that we can do to help baby descend. Uh, and, and mostly it's kind of a coaching role in birth to remind yeah. you that um, we want to get on your feet or this position would be productive or here's what we can do to alleviate that back labor a little bit and help baby pivot. Uh, so I know lots of people are like, oh yeah, but I learned that in birthing class or, you know, my husband learned how to massage my back in, in um, birth and babies class. And that sometimes is true. If you take a great birth prep course, you learn a lot of the same things that doulas apply. Um, but going back to the husband <laughs> scenario, you are relying on him bringing up the PDF on his phone or the YouTube right. video while you're screaming in his face. Yeah. And like, remember that thing that we learned? Um, and he is looking at you like, I can't, what? Huh? Yeah. Uh, and you're probably not asking really nicely either. No, no, at that you're point. totally not. So, and then you can't find the link and it's a whole thing. Uh, so I'm there to just kind of be that encyclopedia during birth and to help you understand the situations that are being thrown at you. Um, to have seen, you know, more births than one or 10, which is maybe right. um, what you and your husband have seen at a maximum, uh, and recognize some of the situations that are happening and, and help you work through those. I love that. Okay, that makes so much more sense to me. So then when it comes time to like, you're in delivery, you've talked about what your role is, but can you kind of tell us like what that is like? Um, and when I'm thinking about it, Honestly, one of my big questions is like, where are you when the mother is pushing? 
Yeah, that's a great question. And that's this often comes up when people ask me about birth photography as well, because it's like, well, how can you mm. do both? Um, and so during that, let's say like three to eight centimeters, when you're really in that like tough, active labor, ventilating a lot, walking around maybe, or stuck in bed on an epidural, um, that's where the the positioning comes in handy and that real like coaching about mm. Uh, different positions we would want to get you into, or, you know, can I bring something that's going to make you more comfortable uh, or just encourage you to, to keep going when pushing is happening. That's where I really get to be able to step back and use my camera because that's Mm. where it's time for you (laughs) to do the work, right? Like I can't do a whole lot to get your baby out. And I also need to, that's where I know my role and I need to step out of the way of the medical professionals, Mm. right? And your midwife or your OB or your doctor is going to be the one to catch your baby. Um, and so for me, what that most often looks like is standing somewhere up at the head of the bed. I've usually got like one hand on a camera way up high and the other hand is like holding mom's hand or stroking her hair, telling her that she's doing amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes I get thrown into the the situation of holding a leg and that's good too, <laughs> right? Like husband on one yeah. side, doula on the other side. Um, but yeah, that's really where I get to step, step back and capture some moments because there's not a whole lot that I can do besides just encourage you to like keep going and that yeah. it's going to be over soon. Kind of continue the coaching aspect of it. Absolutely. Yeah. So what is your relationship with the medical team like as a doula? Yeah. Um, Sorry, so, I'm just like thinking of all these like random questions as we're going here. No, and that's throwing random. Them at they're, you. they're awesome. Um, with the medical team, I mean, that's often a question that gets asked in consults is like, oh, I'm working with Dr. So-and-so. Have you worked with them before? Mm. Um, and I've been at this long enough and taking enough clients every month um, and working at the same sites regularly that often the answer now is, yes, I do know them or I have been in a delivery room with them. Um, but the true answer is, it doesn't really matter. Um, right. Much like so you might not know the person who ends up delivering your baby. If I don't know them, that's all good too. Uh, and there's a level of respect that comes from me working within my scope and knowing mm. what my role is as compared to, you know, everybody else in the room. And so right. that is one of the marks of a great doula is knowing what their scope is Um knowing when they are not the person to give the answers uh, and and knowing how to balance that with encouraging you to ask questions mm. um, or advocate for yourself. So I'm the third party who gets to raise my hand and say like, okay, Taryn, do you, do you feel like you understood that? Do you have any questions to ask? And in the like shock of whatever's going on, you're probably going to say like, no, it's all good. Like, that's fine. Um, and that's where I get to encourage you to say like, okay, well, but you wanted this, Mm. you understand that that is not what's happening. Um, are you okay with that? Or they're recommending this because that, does that make sense to you? And just to make sure, like to slow down that decision-making to help you know that you have made a choice as opposed to, um, just had something put on you uh, yeah. and that you're, you're okay with that choice. Yeah. 
One thing that is really, really standing out to me. So I, we had an episode a couple weeks ago um, with a mama named Taylor and she had like a very traumatic birth experience. And one thing, like, as you're saying that, I think how beneficial it would be in those situations that can be very, very traumatic for moms. Because I think that a lot of the of the time for me anyways the trauma came from me not knowing and giving consent but not even understanding and I think that that is probably super super common yeah absolutely and and sometimes too we're very married to whatever birth plan is in our head Mm -hmm. um so one example that comes to mind is um I had a client who was very adamant that she didn't want to use any pain control um and when it came down to it, she had a very, very exhaustingly long labor. Um, and so her care team recommended that she get an epidural, not for pain relief reasons, but just to allow her uterus to relax and for her to be able to progress. Um, but because of the situation that she was in, they offered her two options. One, that they would break her water and try and, you know, speed up her labor a little bit or get something happening, um, with no epidural, but if baby was seeing, you know, a negative, um, reaction, like a decreased Mm. heart rate that should they have to take her to a C-section, uh, as an emergency, as an emergency, she would be unconscious or she could accept the epidural. And then if an emergency happened, she would still be able to be awake when baby was born. Okay. And she was so, as is her choice, uh, but she was so committed to the idea that she did not want pain control of, you know, any sort that at first she agreed to have her water broken with no epidural and just like damn the consequences. If I'm not awake, if my husband's not able to be in the room, that'll have to be fine. And you know, had she not had a doula, um, I don't know that anybody would have stepped forward to have that conversation with her to say like, Hey, just want to confirm that you, you know what this means, that that means not neither you nor your husband will hear your baby cry for the first time. Right. And it could be hours before you have that skin to skin contact after you come out of surgical recovery and, you know, all these other benefits that you've said that you wanted, um, start to fade away. Is that okay with you? You know, not, um, do you think you're making the right choice, but is that okay with you? Do you understand that? Right. And we did have that conversation and she, she changed her mind. Um, but it wasn't my position to coerce her into that, right. right? Or, or tell her that that was the right choice for her. It was just, you know, do you feel like you thought these consequences through and, and is that the right choice for you? Because as you're saying that, I so agree with you because I I can put myself in that position, not forward thinking, right? You're so in the moment. And especially if you are, like you said, kind of married to that birth plan, it might sound good, but you don't really understand X, Y, and Z that are going to happen afterwards. And yeah, I think that that's really, really smart. And, and birth is a situation where you feel very out of control, right? In what's happening to your body and what's happening around you and the things that people are telling you. And so for her clinging to that one thing was a way of maintaining control, right? That like, you're going to give me this, this choice and I'm going to like, absolutely just hold on to that as tightly as I can. In the end though, was that the 
the right choice for her? Well, I mean, she decided that it wasn't, that the other things were, were bigger. Um, but it took, you know, a bit of a, a bit of a, a shock or an intervention, um, to get her to actually think about that mm-hmm. rather than just hold so tightly to the one thing she knew that she could control. Yeah. Yeah. No, I so agree with that. So once baby is born, then what does your role become? So once baby is born, uh, that's when, again, a a bulk of birth photography is taken. Um, Lots of tears, lots of skin to skin, uh, first feeding. And that's something that I try to emphasize to all of my clients is that um, I am there for not just baby's first feed, but everyone's first feed to make sure that uh, mom is going to get that really fantastic piece of peanut butter toast or popsicle or like whatever the hospital uh, postpartum specialty is going to be that we send dad down to the cafeteria um, or grandma or whatever birth partner is with us uh, for, you know, a snack or a coffee, a bit of rejuvenation there. Um, And also that baby is doing well on their first feed, whether that's uh, breastfeeding or, or bottle and formula pumped, whatever that is. So that's something that I find sets people on a really good path and makes them feel a little more human especially because during labor, we often don't feel like eating. Um, We've been asked to abstain from eating. Um, We maybe vomited, didn't really feel well, heartburn, all that good stuff that comes up during pregnancy. Um, As soon as baby's out, you often get this like voracious appetite and you realize you haven't eaten in 47 hours. So yeah, uh, that's where I like to, you know, make sure that mom's getting a couple treats and, uh, everybody is going to be well-nourished because that's going to set them up really well for the rest of their day or night. So you're really there to like take care of the mom. Yeah, that's your... absolutely. Uh, that, that is uh, actually the origin of the word doula. It's a Greek word or concept um, at its root and it means one who serves uh, and kind of the next bit of it is one who serves women, which um, is obviously a bit of a, um, not an outdated concept right now, but it, it doesn't fully capture the situation, but yeah, that's, that's for sure. What I'm there to do is, is to serve and support. And I feel like every parent listening to this is like, yeah, I probably could have used a little bit more, um, pampering after we had kids. For sure. Yeah. And I think, if you talk to anyone who's given birth without a doula um, or maybe doesn't fully understand what a doula is or does, they're like, oh, you don't need that because like your nurses are in the room to take care of you. Your your doctor is going to answer your questions. Your midwife will be there. And that is all true, right? Like these are fantastic resources, but they all have a primary other job, right? Your midwife does so much charting. Your nurse does so much charting. And sometimes she's caring for two or three other rooms. Mm -hmm. Your doctor is going to pop in for the moment of delivery. If you're lucky, they'll stay and debrief the delivery with you. Um, And then, you know, they, they'll probably send another pediatrician to check on baby in the next few hours. And like, you might see them before you get discharged. You might not, but I'm the person who stays in the room continuously yeah. I'm the person who you have met before and you know is going to be the familiar face and I'm there to serve only you. So it's not my job to, to take notes or to, you know, um, manage a, a roster of many patients at once, um, or to do anything that relates to the hospital or your medical care. I'm, I'm strictly there for you and keeping you and your family happy and comfortable and well taken care of is my only job. 
Yeah, I love that. And I think that how you said that, it is really important to recognize that you're not there to, or this episode even in itself is not to put down the nurses and the doctors. Like we recognize that, you know, they do a fantastic job. They, you, like you said, you are most likely not their only patient. They have a lot going on and they have a lot of the medical side happening. So I, like, I genuinely cannot imagine how different my postpartum experiences would have been having that one person there and someone that you feel comfortable with. Right. Um, like, I think that as you're talking about this, I just like, so get that you said your birth sister. I think that that is like super, I think that's what you said, right? Birth sister. Yeah. 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 And I think that that's so cool. It just adds that like, kind of like your best friend is just there with you. And yeah, I, I think that that's, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's totally the concept. And, um, like you said, our, our job is not to put down any of these people, like they're not spending enough time, but the reality is, um, on Facebook and Instagram, there are so many memes and like inspirational cards, stories floating around about how, you know, it takes a village to raise a mother. Um, and it takes a village to raise a child. Absolutely. But it takes a village to give birth too. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so it's not that these people are kind of tapping out and doing the bare minimum on you. Like they're, they're 100% in it. There's just a lot to do yeah, and, and a lot of support to give. So, um, to have that extra body who knows you really well, who you feel really comfortable with and who is there strictly to, again, not be, um, part of the family or somebody who's going through a transformational moment themselves, somebody who can just be totally like independent third party mm-hmm. um, and there to help you through it. There is an additional role for that person that doesn't need to take away from anyone else. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So once the mom and baby are discharged from the hospital, does your care kind of end once they're gone from the hospital or what does that kind of transition home look like? Yeah. So I usually check in on families, um, you know, a couple times in the first sort of 36, 48 hours by text, just see how things are going, uh, maybe encourage them to ask some specific questions as it relates to like breastfeeding or their bleeding or discharge instructions, things like that. And then um, I see them in home sometime between like one to two weeks after uh, discharge or after birth. Um to make sure that, again, everybody is well-fed, they're sort of acclimatizing to their new schedule, uh, ask if there's any questions that they have, things that I could help them with in terms of, um, you know, breastfeeding positions or products mm. that might help them in this phase, um, accessories that that might be a good fit for them, uh, ways to manage the workload between them and their partner, uh, questions they have about allowing family to come into their situation or mm. how to manage expectations on that front. So just to make sure that they're in a like a good mental state going forward. And then there's no real like formal end to our relationships. Often when I do these postpartum visits, uh, a client will ask like, is it okay if we keep in touch? Like, can I still send you pictures and stuff? And it's like, yeah, it's more weird actually if you don't. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> I've invested like somewhere between two and 10 months in getting to know you. And like, yeah, I feel like we're besties, we're friends. And so if you just fall off the face of the map, um, that feels like really weird to me. Right. Right. Um, Totally. I, I, my goal is to walk out of these situations with, you know, new friends and people that I can keep in touch with. So it's more weird if they don't feel like they want to do that. 
Yeah. Do you do any sort of um, postpartum screening or is that like, would that be medical when you go and do these visits with the mums? Like a formal screening would be sort of considered out of scope, but that's certainly something that I keep an eye on is to ask people questions that will like give me an understanding of where they're at Mm. and also kind of gauge their partner's reaction to their responses or the kind, the level of support that they're getting from their partner or family to have a bit of an understanding of what's going on and help lead them to, you know, if I suspect that there is some sort of like mood disorder or something that's going to be at play, um, help lead them to the fact that they might want to access resources. Often when I see them, it's a bit early for that, right? They're still right. kind of maybe in that baby blues phase where they're going to come on the upswing and be totally fine. Yeah. Uh, that's where it's great that it, there's no there's no official end to our relationship, right? I, I want to keep the dialogue going between these moms and I so that uh, when they're having a hard day and they text me, I get a bit of a vibe as to whether they're just having a bad day or it's a string of bad days and there's something more going on. Yeah. I think that that's so important. And and like you said, I love that you now have that friendship with them, with them or that relationship so that you do have a really good gauge because I think that what can often happen. And um, I mean, again, no disrespectful respect to medical care, but I think that a lot of that is so overlooked in the, the checklist that you get when you go to your, um, um, what is it called? Like your doctor's appointment, your follow-up. That's right. Yeah. Like I think that that's so easily overlooked. So I think that this is probably an aspect to, to having a doula that is also overlooked because I think that in itself is massive. Like having that support really could be life-changing for so many moms. Absolutely. And I mean, the, the next part that flows out of that, right. Is, um, if between the two of us, or if you do determine that, um, you're feeling like you need some support. I've got a great roster of people that I feel like Mm. would be a fantastic fit for your situation. Um, and given the size and scope of our city, somebody who's going to be accessible to you in your area, right? If you have to take your newborn baby, um, into like a snowy car that you have to go heat up. So you're going to feed them. Then you're going to stuff them in a fleece seat pop them in their car seat. You have to warm up your car and brush all the snow off. Then you're going to get in the car and drive for what? 45, maybe 60 minutes to get to an appointment. Um, As soon as you get there, your baby's going to want to be fed. You're going to be upset because you've brought this baby with you who's screaming in your face. Now you're going to be late for your appointment. You have to feed them in the cold car or go feed them, you know, during your appointment while you're trying to like gush and cry your feelings to someone like, and then rinse and repeat just to get home. That's too much. Yeah. It's too much. Yeah. So, you know, the situation that you're in, the kind of care that you might need and someone who's going to be appropriate for your, your situation and accessible to you. Um, that's, that's an added layer that again, your, your medical team doesn't necessarily provide you not because they don't want to be, but just because they don't know enough, they're not close enough to you like a, like a best friend. Exactly. Um, so that's something additional that, uh, not just from a mental health perspective, but any kind of postpartum wellness, um, pelvic floor physiotherapy, massage therapy, um, chiropractic, all this good stuff that I, I strive to provide to my clients is a really good network of people who are awesome at what they do and super accessible. Yeah. My gosh, literally, like I'm 
listening to this has been actually life-changing for me. (laughs) Um, Honestly, I wish that I had a doula and I'm really glad that we did this episode because I think that there are going to be so many moms listening that are just, you know, we hear of a doula or we hear of a midwife, but I don't think we always understand what the role is. Or like me, you maybe think that they're interchangeable or like you don't qualify or, you know, sometimes when you have all of these questions or the unknown, you just never take steps towards it. So I know that like you coming on here is really serving um, the Messy Mama community. And I'm really grateful for that. I know I have loved following you on social media. And um, I mean, seeing pictures of newborn babies isn't the worst thing, but just the content that you put out is, is really helpful. So thank you so much for coming and being here and pouring into, into this community as well. Yeah. And, you know, I I really appreciate being able to have a broader conversation about what this all looks like, because when somebody asks you what when somebody asks me well what do you do and I say I'm a doula they go oh is that the same thing as a midwife that's always the first question right um or they just assume that I catch babies and then if we have a conversation that goes further than that about well what does a doula do the next best answer is usually like well we provide uh, physical emotional and logistical support during your pregnancy and birth and it's like yeah yeah okay but what does that mean (laughs) yeah right yeah So it's way better to be able to unpack it in a format like this so that you you can have a really concrete understanding of um, not just what that sounds like, but how it would change your situation. Yes, exactly. Is there one last thing that you want to tell moms before we get off or like anyone that's listening? Um, You know, if you are not sure whether a doula is right for you. Um, I want you to know that there are doulas in your community, not just here in Alberta or in Canada, but there are doulas in your community who would love to talk to you more about what that would look like. Uh, And they're going to do that totally like non-committal free. They're going to be more than happy to just talk you through what's going on in your situation, what some of your fears are and how they could step up to the plate and help you through that. Um, The other thing is if you are not sure whether you can afford a doula, whether you have enough time to hire a doula, Google like doulas near me or doulas in Calgary or whatever your area is. And, you know, send a message to the first eight or 10 people come up. And I guarantee you that from that list, um, probably like 50% of them will be available. Some of them will have like a sliding fee scale, or there'll be a variety of solutions that they can come up with for you to try and meet your needs. Because at the end of the day, all doulas went into this work because we're so passionate and heart focused about supporting moms and babies and, and helping, um, people transition into this like new scale of family. And, Mm -hmm. um, we want to be able to do whatever it takes to give that to you. And so, uh, if you contact me and I say, no, I'm not available, or I just can't make it affordable to you. Um, I'm going to send you a link with other people who have lower fees than me, who I feel are fantastic, who maybe still have availability or, um, are going to be a great fit for you because I want so badly for you to feel supported through this. And, um, like you, you've been able to exercise that, right. It's not that a doula is a luxury service. Um, but it's, it's some, someone that, you know, you're meant to have walk beside you and support you. Uh, so if for any reason you think that a doula is out of the picture for you, 
explore that a little bit more because I don't think that necessarily has to be true. Yeah. No, I so love that. And I'm really glad that we finished with that because I think that that is really important. Just giving people um, permission to just reach out and ask questions, I think is sometimes all that it takes. So thank you for that. And thank you so much again for being here with us. Thanks for having me again. And I mean, we started and we can end with my, like my DMs are not just for clients. I would love to hear from anybody who has questions about pregnancy, birth, doulas, becoming a doula, um, or like just anything fun or funny in general. Um, you can follow along at adore your birth. I'd love to talk to you. I love that so much. We will see you guys all next week. Um, next Wednesday, another podcast episode is releasing. Um, so we will chat with you then.